welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. We have a great episode for you today. We're going to help you to get fit in as little time as possible. But before we do that, a couple of things. Number one, thank you as always for being here, for supporting the show. Make sure that you check out my website, natnidham.com, because that's where you will find out about BSP, the private membership community that I host on Mighty Networks. Lots of fun in there. I do live Q&As. I invite experts to come in and do Q&As for the group. We do end of one experiments. They get special deals on stuff. Lots and lots of fun stuff. So if you're interested in that, just go to natnidham.com and check out BSP community at the top. Secondly, you're going to want to sign up for my newsletter because you'll be the first to find out about my Black Friday shopping guide, and it's going to be amazing. So definitely do that. Head on over to natnidham.com and sign up for the newsletter and check out BSP. Before we launch into the episode, I want to talk to you about a new kid on the block when it comes to really innovative supplement formulations. Their name is Healthgevity. And they have formulas that are focused on harnessing the hallmarks of aging, optimizing your health span, maximizing your potential, and very often featuring ingredients that you will find nowhere else. These guys are committed to developing natural solutions, and they partner with cutting-edge healthcare professionals and organizations around the globe to translate breakthrough science into advanced nutritional supplements. So they've got, in, they've got ingredients that you've heard of, like BPC-157. Maybe some of you may have heard of DNF-10, which is a satiety peptide, or a new one called PeptiStrong, which is the first AI-discovered anabolic peptide through their partnership with Neuritas. Some formulas that really stand out to me and that I use quite often are BPC and PEA, amazing for healing and managing inflammation. Their Ignite Plus formula for metabolic optimization is the bomb. That's the one with DNF-10 satiety peptides. You take three first thing in the morning. It's amazing for managing hunger through the day. And then the longevity formula, which I'm also using, I have found incredible for muscle health. Like you just take two capsules in between meals during the day and it helps to support muscle building which is amazing for someone like me who doesn't have a lot of options in that area. They also have an incredible cardio NAD plus featuring NAD3 and rejuvenate for targeting many of the hallmarks of aging. So as you can see, these guys like are covering the gamut here. And like I said, they've got novel ingredients in their formulas. They're really quite amazing. So to learn more about which formulas best fit your current health goals, all you have to do is go to healthjev.com and use code longevity to save. All right, let's talk a bit about our, our episode. Have you ever heard of about rehit fitness? In this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast, our guest, Ulbrich Demfley shares his quest to replicate this high-intensity, short-duration workout technique that requires just 24 minutes of, not your day, your week. Imagine that, 24 minutes a week. Ulrich shares information about the nuanced science behind Rehit and the challenges that he faced in finding the right equipment. Turns out that to practice Rehit properly, you need very specialized equipment. 
As we navigate the world of rehit, Ulrich reveals the surprising benefits of this workout routine. From increasing your VO2 max by 12%, which is comparable to a two-year boost in healthy life expectancy, to a whopping 62% reduction in your MET-Z score, a risk factor for metabolic diseases like type 2 diabetes, we get into the nuts and bolts of rehit, discussing how it's less mentally draining and even physically draining than traditional workouts, accommodates your current fitness level, and is ideal for those dealing with chronically high cortisol and adrenal fatigue, and frankly, even low cortisol. Ulrich Dempfley is the CEO and founder of the Carol Bike, a game-changing exercise equipment that offers efficient workouts in just a few minutes. In this episode, we discuss the psychological resistance to shorter workouts and how the Carol Bike overcomes this by delivering effective results in a very short time. His background, and I, I would have guessed this, is that of an electrical engineer. So once he found out about these types of workouts, he kind of decided he was going to crack this nut. Now, to get a Carol Bike for yourself, if, you, if you're really inspired at the end of this episode, visit carolbike.com and use promo code NAT for $100 off. One more thing before we jump into the episode, I want to talk to you about Element, an electrolyte drink that I recently discovered and I'm absolutely obsessed with. I dump one packet, my favorite flavor these days is, I'm going to say watermelon, into my one and a half liter water bottle and sip on it throughout the day. Not only does it help me drink more water because it tastes amazing, but it also ensures my electrolyte levels are always balanced. Now, why is that important? Because balance levels ensure that you regulate your fluid balance, which ultimately helps with your digestion, circulation, temperature regulation, helps to maintain the body's pH balance, which is vital for enzyme activity, biochemical reactions, and optimizes nerve and muscle function. I mean, talk about a laundry list of benefits. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio. So when it comes to electrolytes, the devil is in the details, folks. In this case, we've got 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. None of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, and no fillers. So right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a really great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com forward slash nat. Now, Element is L-M-N-T. There's no ease there. So this deal is only available through my link. You must go to drinklmnt.com forward slash nat. Last thing is that Element offers no questions asked refunds. Try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a salty friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You literally have nothing to lose. All right, let's jump into this episode. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we have a great guest, Ulrich Dempfler. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. We met, I think the first time we met was probably six years ago. 2019, wasn't it? something oh maybe so then only five years ago something like that it was at paleo fx you had a tiny little space at the back 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 of the show and i remember coming by and you put me on this bike and had me pedal my heart out for the two short little periods of time totally blew my mind as a matter of fact that video is probably still on my instagram feed if you go back far enough (laughs) yeah i remember it very vividly i remember it very vividly 
Yeah, no, it was, um, it was, it was definitely, I was obsessed from that. As a matter of fact, I went, I eventually took me about a year or so, but I finally bought a bike. But um, in the meantime, it's been a long time and we're going to talk about all things about rehit fitness, the role that certain types of fitness play in helping people to overcome metabolic disorders and maybe bust a few myths about that people may think about exercise and fitness and what it really takes to move the needle for people in a meaningful way. So let's get started with you. How did you come into this space? Like what's your, what's your fascination? Are you for the engineer side or the health side or? <laughs> I mean, first I, I came to this by accident. Absolutely. So I'm by background, a mechanical engineer. Um, and I used to work for automotive industry, so I'm German and I used to work for all the big German car brands. But then um, uh, through life circumstances, I changed into healthcare and for many, many years worked in healthcare um, with hospitals, with health insurance companies, health plans, um, and actually worked on operational efficiency in health services. And the most uh, effective, powerful thing you can do to, to reduce healthcare cost and health burden or the, the burden of ill health mm -hmm. is prevention. And so we, um, my co-founders and I, we designed and ran chronic disease management programs. So programs for people with diabetes, heart disease, and so on. Um, and one of the most powerful interventions for, for that group of people and for everybody really is exercise. So beyond any doubt, one of the best things you can do maybe after sleep is exercise. I think there's, mm -hmm. there's very little doubt about that. The problem is just that very, very few people actually do exercise and work out enough. Um, and we experienced that as well. And as we struggled with this problem, we came across um, a new form of exercise uh, called reduced exertion, high intensity interval training. Um, so we saw a, a show on the BBC where they showcased the science of rehit, mm. and we fell in love instantly overnight. Um, I went out, so I saw it, paid careful attention how it's done, and the very next day I went to a fitness equipment store and bought myself a. Uh, a regular exercise bike that I thought um, would be best suited to do rehit. Okay, so let's define rehit exactly to people what that is and how it's different from hit. Just, yes, just if sure, I can interject sure. there before we carry on, just so people know what we're talking about. Yeah, so most people will be um, familiar with hit, high intensity interval training, and the effectiveness of hit is beyond any doubt. Mm -hmm. um, the issue with HIT is that um, many people find it pretty hard. So the, the rate of perceived exertion is fairly high. And it's also not that time efficient because you tend to do, and there's a great uh, variability, four, five, six, eight intervals that are 30, 40, 60 seconds. And so by the time you're done, um, you're definitely sweat drenched and uh, you've spent 30, 20 to 30 minutes. In, in a regular hit session. Um, and so scientists went out to find um, what is the most effective and shortest form of hit mm -hmm. and basically titrated back, like how little do you have to do 
to still get the benefits. And that led to rehit, so reduced exertion high intensity interval training, which is basically a workout that has only two 20 second sprints with a very gentle warm up, recovery, and cool down. In those 20 second sprints, you go all out. So they're maximum intensity, but it's only two 20 second sprints. And the entire workout can be done in as little as five minutes. And numerous studies have not shown that is, is a very, is, is like the most effective form of cardio exercise. Um, and that you can, in fact, get like very substantial health and fitness benefits in this incredibly short amount of time. And, you know, you hear that and it's, it's amazing. And as I said, we fell in love. I fell in love with it overnight and, and tried to do it. And I just wanted to do this for myself. Yeah. yeah. So you went out and bought a bike and <laughs> taking you back to your original it story. Just, it just didn't work. I couldn't replicate it. It was nothing like what they had demonstrated on the BBC. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't quick. It was, I sweated like hell. Um, and, and so instead of just giving up and putting the bike away, we called the scientists and asked like, what are we doing wrong? And, and I remember very well talking with, with Dr. Niels Vollard and the very first thing he said was, well, you need a special bike. And I was like, oh, but you didn't mention that. <laughs> Why didn't you say? Um, so in, in their labs, they used, um, special equipment that, um, is operated by a second person, by a lab technician, and that applies like a precise resistance at um, exactly the right time, um, very rapidly. And the, the the person who does the workout um, accelerates to a high pedal cadence before the resistance gets applied, then the resistance gets applied. And um, that's the way you reach your, your maximum power, your maximum intensity. And if you, if you have this um, precise setup, it is actually, so it lives up to the promise of what was shown on that BBC program. And it is a, a fairly doable, um, obviously it's not easy, but it's really quick and really effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was simply no consumer friendly equipment available at the time. And, but we wanted to do it. <laughs> and so we decided to, well, why can't we develop a bike that takes the exact same protocols and setup in the lab and brings it to consumers? And the, the result is a computer-controlled bike with, with some AI algorithms that optimize the resistance and control the workout for you. So then it's very simple to perform and it's suitable for any age or fitness level because we, we can personalize it so much. Mm-hmm but basically takes all the complicated bits out and makes it as simple as possible to perform this highly efficient rehit workout. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's like 10 years ago now. And it, it was really not uh, an easy journey to, to get from there to, to where we're now. Um, but I think, so I'm, I'm very happy with our product now and, and think uh, it, it works beautifully and has actually achieved to take, um, very promising, brilliant science out of the lab and translating it into like real world benefits for, for every, for, for, for almost, yeah, for everybody really. 
So let's talk a little bit about the research and the, the the health benefits of this type of training, because I think that that's where, and and the population that it helps, right? Because I think what's really interesting about this type of exercise is that it becomes, it, these benefits become accessible to a population that, to your, you, and you mentioned it earlier, not only are they not people who exercise, but they find exercise really hard. Like these are not people who can easily get up and go out for a 30 minute run or, you know, or, or go swimming for an hour or like, these are people who, you know, for any number of reasons have become so sedentary that doing a lot of exercise is not only intimidating, mm. but it's physically almost impossible yeah, for them yeah. to do it. So, so that's right. That's right. Even though I, I have to say, and we've learned a lot about uh, our users um, as we, you know, built our our user base and customer base. Um, we we thought initially when we developed the bike that yes, this would be an answer for people who struggle to do regular workouts, who maybe don't like exercise, um, and uh, certainly who are time starved um, and and don't have time for exercise. Uh, what we've learned over time is that actually. Our user base is hugely diverse. So oh, yeah. We're we have, going to dig into that. <laughs> um, we, we have plenty of people who who um, love exercise and who exercise a lot. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And we have we have ex, uh, no, actually, you'll never become an ex, you're like Olympic gold medalists, uh, pro athletes. So we have we have people, um, yes, that who, who lead sedentary lifestyles or have led sedentary lifestyles and who struggle to exercise. Uh, either because they're too busy or they found it hard to do traditional exercise. But we very much have also people who, whoa, exercise a lot and are in great shape and just want this, um, you know, want an additional tool in their toolbox to, to reach optimal performance. So it's it's not just for people who don't have time for exercise or who don't like exercise. There's mm-hmm. really, it's it's a broad spectrum of people who who use our bikes. For sure. I mean, listen, I introduced my chiropractor to the bike and Mm -hmm. he's a fit guy. So, but he's become obsessed because there's a leaderboard and he's obsessed about his position on the leaderboard, Mm -hmm. but which is, which (laughs) the smile on your face is all I need to see. But on top of that, because he's a competitive dude and he's got competitive friends and he used to, you know, be always Mm -hmm. fighting with my husband on the leaderboard. But the last time I saw him, he was telling me that his 17-year-old son, who's a competitive hockey player, yeah, gets on yeah. the bike three times a week and notices that his performance mm-hmm. on the ice is materially impacted by yeah. the training awesome. that he does on the bike. But but let's but before we go so, to so that is yeah. that is so good to hear. Yeah. One thing um that I think about like talking about who uses our bike, and if I look at about our customers, so typically we, we don't, so we, we have the 17 year olds and actually my, my 14 year old boys use the bike. Um, but most people who purchase a bike, uh, tend to be like 35, like 35 to 65. We have younger customers and definitely younger users, yeah. but I think most people who, who purchase a bike like ours and who want to do rehit, um, and, and have this emphasize on effectiveness, um, are a little bit older when the key focus of exercise is not anymore that I want to look ripped 
and I want to look great on the beach. I want to live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you actually um, approach exercise and working out with some specific like health and fitness goals and well-being goals um, that you want to achieve. And uh, that, I, I think there is something around 40. Certainly for me, that was the moment that where, where the attitude towards, be, before I did sports, but more for like fun and competitive reasons, Mm -hmm. Um, since 40, I, I have like functional objectives for sports. Like I want to stay fit and I want to stay strong, those, those types of things and healthy and, and for longevity benefits. And that, that is, I think a slightly different approach to as to why you purchase or why, why you engage in, in, in workouts, whether, whether there's like a functional or, or more like an entertainment or, or, you know, like appearance aspect to it. A hundred percent. So let's talk a little bit about that research though. Let's go back to, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause with the first research, the research that caught your attention, I think spoke to a particular population and how like the health metrics, the, mm -hmm. the Delta in people's health from the time they stayed. And I think it took a couple of months, maybe from starting this type of workout to a couple of months out were, they're really impressive. Because yeah, yeah. we're not talking people who were, nobody told them to change much. I don't think they were coached to change anything else in their life. Yeah. So and the intervention somehow, was exercise. Yes. Yeah. The In, in this case, X was exercise. Mm -hmm. It wasn't yeah. anything else. And so maybe let's talk a little bit about that research because it is really impressive research. Sure. Sure. So, um, and there's, uh, so, so I can introduce first some research really done on our bikes. Um, so where Carol bike was compared in a randomized control trial against um, government guidelines, five times a week, half an hour jogging. So um, they had two groups randomly allocated. Um, and the, there was the rehit group that did three times a week, this very short workout. So at the time it was eight minutes, 40 seconds, but only two 20 second sprints. Mm -hmm. So they spent 26 minutes per week. And the other group um, did... Uh, one, two and a half hours, five times, 30 minutes of jogging per week. And so the um, key outcomes that they've uh, tracked for and controlled were like cardiorespiratory fitness, VO2 max mm -hmm. on the one hand, and then metabolic health uh, on the other side. Um, and metabolic health, uh, they, they tracked a, a basket of indicators and then that gets aggregated to a score called the med z score and the the results were really um yeah very impressive as you said so for vo2 max in only eight weeks people saw an improvement in the rehit group of 12.3 percent and so i don't know how familiar your listeners will be i assume they will be somewhat familiar with vo2 max VO2 max is probably the most important health metrics metric. It's the strongest correlate to um, life expectancy and a 12% improvement in such a fundamental physiological marker is uh, very impressive. Mm -hmm. And, um, and in, eight weeks. <laughs> in eight weeks, in yes, eight weeks, a very short exactly. period of time. So, so, so you can make a very substantial difference in, in a very short amount of time and with a very short amount of time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So can you explain what VO2 max is to the Absolutely. audience? Just because I think people hear these terms a lot yeah. and sometimes aren't exactly familiar with what, what it means. And, yeah. and yeah. how would you maybe, how would it change your life? Like how would you of feel course. it in your day-to-day -day mm -hmm. world? 
Yes, yes, yes. So VO2 max is your maximum ability to burn, to metabolize oxygen during exercise. Um, and the, the rate limiting factors for that is on the one hand, um, how, how much oxygen can you deliver to your muscles? Um, and that's, that's your cardiac, um, uh, cardiac flow and your, your peak cardiac output. Right. That's, that's oxygen delivery. And then the other uh, limiting factor is oxygen consumption that is in your mitochondria, in your muscles, how much oxygen can you literally burn, um, as you, as you exercise and, um, as you, with rehit, you can improve this by 12% in only eight weeks. Um, and the, like, to put it into context, a, a 10% uh, improvement in VO2 max has been shown to, to be equivalent to a two-year increase in healthy life expectancy. Wow. So it's very substantial. Yeah. And then the other thing in terms of how it feels, as we age from, from around the age of 30, we lose on average about 10% of VO2 max per decade. So that yeah. means if you think back how you've, yeah. You know, how easy it was for you to, to walk upstairs, to, to engage in exercise um, 10 years ago, then that is what you can basically gain back more than gain back in only eight weeks. So it's, it's a very, it's, it's not subtle at all. No. So um, if you do that, the, the almost cliche feedback we get is like, I'm flying up the stairs now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people, so it's very noticeable if you, if you have that level of improvement in your cardiorespiratory fitness and also quick enough for it to, so, so on the bike, you have a lot of um, metrics and it's all very quantified and you can track your progress. Great. You have a leaderboard and you can compete and so on. But in terms of how you feel that you, you, you wouldn't even need all those metrics because it's so obvious. Um, And that really sets it apart from, so I, I do a bunch of other biohacking things and this and that. And yeah, we all and do, yes. I, I, I change <laughs> every few months my 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 stack and program a little bit. And many things I do on faith, really. And um mm-hmm. uh, it's it's fairly hard for me to tell. Um, does it actually make a difference? Like you, you won't have that problem with with this type of exercise. Like it's very noticeable and you will feel the difference. A hundred percent. So uh, I love that. So that's VO2 max, but you, you've one of the, some of the things that really caught my attention also in the research was the metabolic health, the Mm -hmm. things that people won't necessarily feel, but that their doctors look at when they go to the, for a checkup. Right. So maybe can you talk a little bit about some of the things in that bucket that people would are most concerned with? Yeah, sure. Sure. So, um, the, the aggregate score is this METS Z score that expresses your risk of developing metabolic diseases like type 2 diabetes. And what goes into that is um, five, five measurements is blood pressure, um, HDL cholesterol, so that's the, the good cholesterol, mm-hmm. um, triglyceride, mm-hmm. blood sugar, and waist circumference. And so over that eight week, trial period, our intervention group with the rehit saw a reduction in that MedZ score 
of 62%, which is That's remarkable. Huge. In yeah, eight weeks? I think, in eight weeks. I don't think yes. you could find a diet that does it that in eight weeks. <laughs> I don't know whether you can find a diet that does that. Um, so the equivalent that, that our researchers told us um, would be metformin. So that would be the level of risk reduction that you could expect from taking a drug like metformin, but without the side effects, because metformin is not unequivocally a good thing. It has yeah. uh, it has side effects. It has undesired effects, and it's actually quite debated whether whether it's a mm-hmm. good thing to 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 take it or not, um, because it inhibits other important processes in your body. Whereas exercise doesn't. It makes you stronger, and so um, the the gain in metabolic health is is yes very remarkable and desperately needed. Because if you look across. The population in in the U.S. It's um, yeah, sadly, uh, there's a there's a majority of people who are metabolically like it's a minority of people that are metabolically healthy, and 100%. and many people like a majority is not and is on the verge and and on a trajectory to to get diabetes eventually, mm-hmm. which is which is then and many bad knock on effects. Yeah, no, and waist circumference is another metric that is telling about all of mm. these things. So the fact that in eight weeks, what was it? Eight, 24 minutes a week, which flies in defiance of every, of every government, you know, mm. fitness kind of goals. You need to be aiming for 30 minutes a day. Um, of and, and it doesn't mean, just to be clear, I mean, it doesn't mean you should just sit around for mm-hmm. all the other minutes of the, all the days of the week, other than these these three little islands of time, but but it makes it if you can imagine that this is it's in these eight minutes three times a week you're yeah. going to move the needle and then you can spend whatever other time just doing something you love whether it's yeah, dancing yeah. or yes, or yes, playing yes. tennis or or whatever I mean Absolutely. going for a walk on the beach or in the forest mm-hmm. or on the street it's it allows you so, the freedom to just do other stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you save a lot of time. And so we uh, are absolutely clear. Exercise is good and positive. And we, we don't poo-poo other forms of exercise. Yeah. If, you, uh, if you enjoy walking, hiking, running, dancing, that's fantastic. Do that. Keep doing it. It's, it will be good for you. Um, also, like in multiple ways for your mental health, for your physical health, and so on. So exercise is great, and we will never advocate to do less. However, there are many people who um, who don't do any exercise. I think mm-hmm. in the, the latest statistics I've seen is if, if you apply rigorous criteria, it's 5% of the American population that does sufficient, uh, that gets f- sufficient physical activity. So it's it's shockingly low. And, mm-hmm. and, and inactivity is is amongst the biggest killers. So, mm-hmm. so it's, mm-hmm. um, there, there are studies that have shown that physical inactivity kills more people or, or causes more excess deaths than smoking, diabetes, and obesity combined, combined. So it's, yeah. it's really, it's a big thing. And so if you struggle, this is the highest ROI Mm-hmm. the highest return on investment activity that you could do. So, um, and many of our users, I think, see it that way, that that's, that's kind of their base. They cover their base. 
And then, yes, they do additional things on top. And you can do other things on the bike. Well, actually, you can do many other things on the bike on top if you want to go above and beyond. But this is a very, very time-efficient strategy to cover your base and to get um, a lot of health and fitness benefits in very, very little time. Yeah, I yeah, no, that's that's perfect. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, and I mean, and I think this is if we if this is one end of the spectrum, right? So we now are at the minimum effective dose. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, most people are looking for the minimum effective dose. There's what's the least I could do to get the most yeah. amount of benefit. Like it's a little bit like chasing the silver bullet. And this is kind of not quite a silver bullet, but it's definitely what where's that intersection of efficiency going yeah. to be. And at the end of the end of the spectrum, you have people who, and I'm not judging at all, but people who spend two hours a day exercising, whether it's running mm. or at the gym, and there's there's a dark side to that, right? I mean, I think that certainly there's people that love it and this is what they do and they and it works for them. But I think that for those of us in the space of longevity per se, yeah. mm. Marathon runners are not the most long-lived people on the planet. Like they're yeah. they're wearing out their parts in many ways. They're yeah. they're kicking the stuffing out of their bodies, and they're not doing it for longevity purposes. They're doing it for the no. love of running. They're doing, they're it, doing it for, for the endorphins, yes, for exactly. the performance, for the sport. So obviously, but but for someone who's really honing in on, I want to live the longest, healthiest life possible taking up marathon running probably isn't going to be the mm. thing that's going to get you there because to begin with, you're probably going to end up needing more, more parts along the way. You're going to wear out your knees or your hips or whatever the case may be. And, and, and I know it's linked to inflammation and, you know, all of these mm. things are very complex. I'm, I'm simplifying it a little bit, but I think the idea that, that we've all been told no pain, no gain, you got to put in the work, you got to put in the hours there's there's something to wow like i could do this little and move mm-hmm. this metric and then like i mean for me i do the bike i also work lift very heavy weights twice a week mm. because as wonderful as the bike is it's not going to help me to build bones yeah, yeah. right exactly. and so exactly. i and and that workout also it's 30 minutes mm. it's really unpleasant for 30 mm. minutes <laughs> and then i'm done right yeah, i awesome I, it's, it's, um, but it's, so, you know, I have that psychology of where am I going to find the most efficiency? And then it allows me to do other things kind of thing. But I think this idea of not wearing out your, your body with very long workouts. And to your point, if you're really attached to those long workouts, you can do them on the bike. It's not a problem. The bike does not cut you off by any stretch. Um, but and we can talk about the fat burner workout in a minute because I think that one is exceptionally interesting to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. Or to everybody needs to experience it at least once, have their butts kicked by an eight second sprint. <laughs> but um, but the but the notion that we could we could be maybe healthier by doing a little bit less, yeah. and and for people who have issues with with cortisol and with adrenal fatigue, like their systems can't handle their nervous system literally can't handle the big long workouts. Yeah. This yeah. again offers a different kind of option. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it is time to, you, you, you mentioned silver bullet and magic bullet. It's certainly, so it's super time efficient and super effective. Um, it's not a free lunch 
per se. So um, the two 20-second sprints are performed at maximum intensity. And the bike helps you to do that. And it makes it really simple, coaches you through the workout, applies the resistance automatically at the optimal level, at the optimal time and so on. But you have to push really hard. You have to push to your limit. And that is obviously, um, so once you've done it, you will understand why it works, why it's so effective. So, so those two 20 second sprints are, are fairly hard. Um, but the, the psychology of two 20 second sprints, I think is quite interesting because, mm-hmm. um, and I, so my, my perception of it, and I, I do this a lot and I think I'm, I tend to think I've done this more than anybody else. Uh, I've, I've looked through my various accounts and data. I've done this like 1200, 1300 rides by now. I don't wow. think there will be many others who, who have that, um, level of experience with rehead rides is that the pain and there's a little bit of pain. So, so kind of totally. the, the saying, no pain, no gain is a little bit. It just doesn't the, last long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the pain for me kicks in after about 15 seconds of the sprint. And so then the last five seconds, I really have to push hard and, and kind of exert willpower. Um, but then after five seconds, it's also the sprint is over already. And I do another one. And then I'm, I'm done with my workout. Um, as you do, I, I, I love, actually, I really enjoy weightlifting. I, I, I love uh, powerlifting and I, I take great pride in my deadlift and so on. <laughs> but um, so, and, and I do other things. So I, I do most weekends also 5K run because, because I can. I have to wait uh, uh, rather than watching the football, I run around it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But a 5K run for me is um, psychologically much harder than one of those rehead rides because um, to get any sensible performance or uh, just have a good run, I have to push myself every single step, every single step for like 20, 25 minutes. And I find that psychologically much harder. Or, or if I go to the gym for, to, to, for, for weightlifting, I have to push myself close to failure on every single set. So again, the, the psychological drain and mm-hmm. the, the psychological energy that I have to exert is actually much higher than in a rehead workout where I only have to push these two 20 second sprints through and the, the pain basically only uh, emerges as I'm almost finished with it. So it's, it's definitely not a free lunch. It's definitely hard to, like the sprints are hard. But you get through it quite easily, and it's it's a quite doable thing. Yeah. Well, I know one thing I want to stress for anybody who's never heard of this bike before, never been on one. It's quite unique, and and Ulrich um, spoke about it earlier. But I want to reinforce the fact that when you're doing your sprint, it's not just you pedaling as fast as you can. The bike is going to set up resistance to your pedaling based on your own strength. So the bike Mm -hmm. gets trained to basically push against you as hard as it needs to, to make it as hard for you as you can manage and still allow you to push that hard. And so 20 seconds will never seem quite so long as when you're doing one of these rehead sets, because, you know, you, for you, it kicks in at 15 seconds for me. I haven't done as many rides as you. So at about 10 seconds, I look up and I'm like, 
holy jumping. I got another 10 seconds to go. I'm only uh-huh. halfway and it feels like it's forever. And it's really only 10 seconds, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's it is, right. that's right. But it's important to mention that I think that this this bike, the AI, the mm-hmm. algorithm on the bike trains to push against you and it will evolve as you get stronger. So exactly. the good news is that it evolves as you get stronger. The bad news is it never actually gets any easier. <laughs> no, it does get easier. So if you if you well, psychologically, um, it does because you okay. get used to it. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. And so, yeah, exactly. The bike keeps optimizing and personalizing the workout for you as you get fitter and stronger. The, the reverse is actually also true. If you, if you had an injury or mm-hmm. um, you, you, I don't know, it happens. Yeah. You, you, for some reason you were day. traveling and so on. Yeah. Um, you fell kind of, you, 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 you fail to do your workouts for, for a period. Um, it will also ease off uh, again and adjust to your current fitness level. And, and that's quite important why, um, you know, there's other bikes. There's like these air bikes that the CrossFit community uses. Oh yeah. Oh my God. The um, assault bikes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, they're, they're, they're good bikes, but they're um, in a way much simpler because they have like a single gear and then they're, they're not personalized. Um, and the, 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 how how much force is exerted at what uh, cadence is just one curve. And it might be perfect for a 30 year old CrossFit athlete. Mm-hmm. It certainly wouldn't be perfect for my mom who's, who's 80 by now, but who still uses the Carol bike for religiously every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and she can because, and, and she's, she's at the bottom of the leaderboard most of the time, but it's she's okay. On the leaderboard. Yeah, exactly. She's exactly. on the bike. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And and one other thing, maybe also just to mention, because um, so this is something we've um, done quite recently, um, and we're really chuffed by the results that we're seeing, and and also the feedback we're getting. So um, the the original rehit workout is two twenty second sprints, and then you can also do workouts with two fifteen second sprints or two ten second sprints, which are a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And some time ago, earlier this year, we've introduced options with three 15 second sprints, which um, uh, give a total of 45 seconds sprinting um, and lead actually to the same level of um, peak heart rate. So same level of physiological stress, but the perception of how hard it, how easy it feels is is better than two 20 second sprints so you um so there are options on the bike if two so two 20 second sprints is a go-to workout has the most scientific research and we're sure this works best for most people but if it's too hard for you there are options to have a slightly more tolerable easier kind of sprint workout rehead workout and to to just make it feasible and easy to develop a sustainable habit because mm-hmm. so exercise exercise is wonderful so many fantastic benefits the only downside is you actually have to do it yeah. to maintain <laughs> those benefits and and here exercise is a bit like um like a diet yeah you can um uh, get a lot of benefits in really short time like lose a lot of weight or gain a lot of fitness but once you stop, the detraining effect is actually also quite rapid. And you you lose the gains about as fast as you got them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that means if you stop exercising, yeah, you, you'll, you'll revert back to, to where you were before. So you have to find something that works for you and that works for you on an ongoing basis. Come mm-hmm. sunshine or rain, you, you're able to do it. You have the time to do it and you, you, you have the, the willpower and you can, you can just stick to it. And with those other options, um, we, we try to emphasize on that and really give everybody an option to find a workout that they can stick to, because that's, that's really the, the holy grail of, yeah. of exercise is just finding something that works for you and that you can do. Um, and the feedback we've got from our users is very positive, very encouraging, um, yeah. for those new workout options to make it, um, you know, a slight variation, slightly shorter sprints. Um, but yeah, more doable for, for some of our users. Well, and it's a way of building up, right? I mean, at some exactly level, that. you're yes. meeting people mm-hmm. where they are, right? So the person who starts with the two 10-second sprints eventually yeah. is probably going to graduate to two 15-second sprints. Absolutely. They might want to, you know, you, you're giving people options. Mm-hmm. For, when I first got my bike, it was two 20-second sprints, and that was pretty much it. And then there was the infamous fat burner workout, which we'll talk about in a minute. Hey, folks, did you know that on average, we entertain 70,000 thoughts per day? And when we're feeling anxious or stressed, this number easily goes north of 100,000. Oh my God, that's exhausting. But there is no need to suffer. Introducing Trocom by Troscriptions. Trocom will quiet your mind, allow you to relax, help you to fall asleep, and enhance your performance from the boardroom to the bedroom. And yes, we're talking about that kind of performance anxiety, guys. Trocom contains a novel combination of CBD, CBG, B3, GABA, and CAVA. CBD and CBG bring your body's endocannabinoid system into balance, and B3, GABA, and CAVA increase the neurotransmitter GABA in the brain, helping you feel less anxious and less stressed. All you have to do, you can take one quarter Trocom to take the edge off and perform better. You could take a half Trocom for more relaxation and less focus, kind of like the relaxing feeling of one to two glasses of wine without the wine. Or you could take three quarters to a full dose for full relaxation and enhanced deep sleep. Ready to Trocom the f*** down? Head over to transcriptions.com and use code NAT10 to get 10% off your order. Let's get back to the episode. I also want to talk about mechanistically how this workout works in the body. Like one of the yeah. one of the really interesting things that happens is this idea of glycogen depletion. Yeah. In yeah. the biggest muscles in your in your body, like in your quads. And 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 that ultimately is what leads to better glucose disposal, better insulin sensitivity over time. Like I think, you know, sometimes we tell people, oh, your blood pressure is going to get better. Your waist circumference is going to go down. Your cholesterol and your triglycerides are going to improve in your blood sugar. And they're like, how? How is me peddling going to affect any of those things? And I just think maybe because, you know, it's exciting to talk about how the bike works and who uses it and how they use it. But I think if we could go back for one second to mechanistically how it's providing those benefits. We talked about the VO2 max, and that's ultimately by pushing the system to its extreme for a very mm. short period of time so that it becomes a hormetic stressor instead of a chronic stressor that could be less beneficial. But this yeah. idea of glycogen depletion, I think, is something that's important for mm. people to also understand. Yeah, of course, of course. So, the, the and it's entirely natural. And this, 
I think one of the questions we get most, like how, how can this be possible? Why would you get such great benefits in so little time? And the reason is just, it's a different adaptation pathway um, than other uh, aerobic exercises use. So in those rehit sprints, these two 20 second sprints create a very significant energy uh, spike in energy demand. So the energy demand goes up by a factor of 100 of 100 compared to rest. So because of the rapid onset of the intensity and the basically from you go from zero to max in a split second, you cannot use energy from your normal aerobic uh, energy system and instead have to use locally available energy sources. And there's um, two systems. So the first is, is the phosphocreatine system that switches on instantly, basically, but lasts only for about 10 seconds. Yeah. So that's the, the first thing you burn through. And then the next thing you use is um, muscular glycogen. And glycogen is a storage form of sugar that's stored locally in the muscle. Um, and that's also very, very rapid um, and, and basically kicks in as soon as the phosphocreatine um, system is depleted. Um, and what happens there is your body perceives this rapid increase in energy demand as an emergency, as a fight or flight situation. And it actually mobilizes, it mobilizes uh, lots and lots of glycogen. So it's been shown that these two 20 second sprints mobilize about 25 to 30% of the glycogen stores in your, in your quads, in your glutes, in these big muscle groups. Now that's an awful lot of energy. That's mm -hmm. really like you could run a lot of time on that um, amount of energy and you burn actually just a, a small fraction of that. But the adaptation, the adaptation is already uh, caused by the mobilization because um, bound to glycogen and, and then uh, released and activated um, are certain signaling molecules. So this specifically is AMPK that's bound to the glycogen. You mobilize it, it gets released and activated. And then downstream, uh, further downstream, uh, activates another signaling molecule, PGC1-alpha, which, mm -hmm. which uh, is the master regulator for mitochondrial biogenesis. Um, and that basically tells, like on a, on a chemical biological level, your body that it has to get fitter and stronger and it has to get better at utilizing um, oxygen. And the release of these molecules is achieved through the, the, the glycogen depletion, the glycogen mobilization that, that happens with those two 20-second sprints. And the crazy thing is that, um, like usually in exercise, um, generally more is better. Like if, yeah. you, if you work out longer, you get greater benefits. Mm -hmm. Or if you work out at a higher intensity, you get greater benefits. Now, with rehit, that relationship seems to be um, just, it doesn't seem to apply. So um, when we look at doing longer sprints, so not 20-second sprints, but like 30-second sprints or 40-second sprints, or doing more sprints, mm -hmm. 
it appears so the current understanding of the scientific community is that there's not greater benefit from that. And in fact, it's other way around that you get less benefits if you did longer sprints or more sprints. Now that's, that's, that's pretty hard to understand. And um, the, 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 no, nobody understands this completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, mm-hmm. the, what is thought to happen is that if you do, if you know you have to do say six 30 second sprints or so, yeah, that you actually pace yourself. You Natural, don't out go, of by instinct. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know, you have to do this six times. So you better take it a little bit easier and leave <laughs> some left in the tank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas if you do two 20 second sprints, you can actually push to your limit in that very short period of time. And, and it is that pushing to your limit and having the, the, the rapid kind of this instant, very high spike in energy demand that triggers the, the, glycogen mobilization, glycogen depletion, and the release of those signaling molecules. And if you, if you knew you had to do more sprints, longer sprints, you'd hold back yeah. and, and pace yourself and thereby basically undermine that adaptation pathway. Mm-hmm. Now, that is, that is what the scientists we work with believe and hypothesize. No, nobody's, but it's really difficult to, to prove that that, right. Um, so be that it's in, not that mental, that yeah, mental yeah, yeah, switch. Exactly. Well, and you know, what's interesting about the two, two sprints is that the second one, I'm, I would guess it, this is the case for many people. The second one is often more powerful than the first one, as much as we might think that the first one mm-hmm. will exhaust you. I find that my second one, usually my peak power goes up and I'm my second line. It, like I don't decline nice, as, nice. as, as steeply as the first one, so, not by so much, I, but. <laughs> I, I, I have to admit it's, it's the other way around for me. So for me, it's the, the first one is always. Well, maybe uh, I don't push as better. hard the first one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you do you. So I, I'm sure um, that that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but I, so I, I, at least I don't know whether there's a general rule for that okay, yet. That's and, and kind of in our little N equals two example here, um, we, we don't have conclusive. Yeah. Well, I, I always this, yes. equated it to mm. um, like when I, you know, when you're training to do pull-ups in a gym, the times I got pull-ups were the times where I would start by doing, you know, an extra, like hanging from the bar and scapular retractions. Then mm-hmm. I would do assisted pull-ups with a band. I would get rid of the band and then I would do the pull-up. And what I would have essentially been doing is priming my nervous system and mm-hmm. almost waking up the muscles and engaging them so that they were now ready yeah. to perform I mean, the one thing, compound exercise. So you, you don't have to, um, like the, the workout has a very short warm-up, two-minute yeah. warm-up, very, very light, and you can um, Super easy. shortcut it um, uh, significantly further. You can keep it as short as 20 seconds because the, the warm-up in itself doesn't actually add so much mm-hmm. to the to the exercise. However, one thing I've noticed for myself is if I've done other workouts beforehand, so if I've done lighter, longer workouts beforehand and uh, come to it warm, I, I do get better um, like peak power. I do get better scores um, because my system is, is that little bit more prepped. So, yeah. um, but I don't think that um, adds more to the effectiveness. This is just, um, you know, if you, if you are, in on your position in the leaderboard, and uh, I am, many others are, um, 
that that might help a little bit as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. So we were talking before the podcast, you were saying there's this one workout that women seem to like a lot. And I think it's all in the title. Um, and maybe yes. the fact that women are slightly more masochistic than men. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes so, that, and, and that is the, the fat burner. So, you yeah. know, so many yes. women like our obsession is I got to drop the fat. I got to burn the fat. I got to get rid of mm -hmm. the fat. I need to lean out. And so you see fat burner and you're like, Ooh, what's that? And I know that was my reaction because nobody told me about it. And I went, what's that? And I got schooled on what the yeah. fat burner exercise yeah. yeah. workout so, was. So I shall say a few things before we go to that particular workout. So I, we believe very clearly that um, Rehead and Car the Carol Boink is a very useful tool yeah. for weight management. And, and I, and certainly I have my own experience in that, that I've lost uh, quite a lot, something like 20 pounds um, with, with very little effort um, when I started doing these workouts. Um, and I, I think I attribute that to the improvement in, in insulin sensitivity mm -hmm. and, and um, my ability to basically access well, my fat stores and energy that I, that I carry around with me. And so even if I do intermittent fasting or longer fasts, I actually don't feel all that terribly hungry because I have energy and I have access to my yeah. energy sources. So I think it's, it's, that's really, um, that's, that's one big contributor that makes weight management easier. The other thing is, um, so also on the 220 second sprint ride, you, you have actually a phenomenal amount of afterburn, epoch, excess, yeah. post-exercise oxygen consumption. So even though the, the exercise is so short and you, you actually burn quite little energy during the exercise, for the next 90 to 180 minutes afterwards, your, your metabolism operates at an elevated level. And so about two thirds of the overall calorie consumption um, comes from the afterburn. And mm -hmm. so when I do one of those rehit sprints, I burn around, so, so during and after the workout, around 220 calories, that's about 10% of my baseline calorie demand. That's, that's meaningful. So it's just, um, it helps in that equation as to, uh, you know, not everybody believes in calories in, calories out, but it, it's, it can't harm if it's, if it helps well, and for it's, that. And it's the, I think it's what you said earlier. It's the, it's the body's ability now to access stored energy. Yeah. Right. Yes. You're reestablishing these and maybe reestablishing a little bit more metabolic flexibility so that yes, the body yes, can go exactly that. isn't always looking for an external source of energy. It's like, right, yeah. we've got a buffet on board here. If we need it, we can go. Yes, exactly that. <laughs> exactly that. Um so so that's that's a little bit of intro for um uh on, on weight management. And the other thing I should say is Many people view exercise as a means to lose weight. And that's, that's really is, is almost getting your priorities wrong because mm -hmm. cardiorespiratory fitness in terms of health and longevity is so much more important than um, your weight. So definitely in terms of these excess deaths, as I said earlier, um, car low cardiorespiratory fitness is way more um is way worse in terms of uh, mortality than obesity in itself. But nevertheless, it's, it's um, important to many and I don't blame anybody. It's very, very understandable. Um, so 
Uh, yes, we, we have, the bike has multiple workouts we have at the moment, I think 21, and you can use it with uh, a bunch of third-party apps as well. So it's very, very versatile bike. Um, but we have um, this this uh, series called the Fat Burn series, which um, has slightly less intense uh, uh, sprints and shorter sprints. So it's eight-second sprints with a 12-second break. Um, and you do 30, 45, or 60 of them, depending on how hardcore you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you will sweat buckets. And the calorie burn is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, so the amount of calories you burn through through those rides is, is off the charts. Um, and there, one thing, which is a, a slightly curious thing, we, we do see that's the one workout that the our female users seem to be doing more than our men. So we, we're quite balanced in terms of uh, who, who buys our bikes and who's using our bikes. It's pretty much 50-50 men and women. So it's not at all something that's only for men or only for women, not at all. Yeah. But the fat burn series, that's like one noticeable difference that seems to be done more by women. And I, you, I leave you to speculate why that is, but it, I, I guess it yeah. is because they're the... The, the objectives and desires are, are just slightly right. mismatched or, or well, different it, between you know, the male. Yeah, I think if you think about it, women are, and, and I mean, these are gross generalizations, just to be clear. Mm. But in general, women are obsessed with getting losing fat and men are obsessed with building muscle. And so at the end of the day, the, really, we want to be in the middle. We want mm. both. We want to build muscle and lose fat. But yeah, if absolutely. you look from a from a gender generalization perspective, the female obsession is fat burning. Mm. The male obsession tends to be bulking up and building muscle. Mm. And so, and you know, yeah, I, at least I, I recognize mean, I'm being that very general for myself. Here, and and I mean, people go through different phases. I had um, so a few years back. I and in fact, I, I lost quite a substantial amount of weight with. Uh, kind of in parallel to, to using the bike um, with fasting and uh, some other things. And, and I, certainly my focus shifted uh, away from that. Um, I'm much less concerned about weight. And actually, um, I just want to be as fit as possible and, and as strong as possible. So that's mm-hmm. – um, and, and then the third thing is uh, also, like I, I added now, stretching routines into my – so, so I do I do Carol for my um, and rehit for my cardiorespiratory fitness, and that works really well. And I've um, so we're we're just introducing now. This will be launched very shortly. A, a VO2 max test where you nice. get the um, where you can measure your VO2 max uh, and and get it against refer- like general reference tables, scientific reference tables. So I, I know that I'm pretty good on that one. Um, I, I love weightlifting. For, mm-hmm. for strength. And then, uh, like I, I do, I'd have to say, so I'm now 46 and, and found that, that mobility and, and stretching is just another component that's actually really important. So I do those three things in terms of, uh, workouts and, mm-hmm. uh, it needn't take a lot of time. So these, you can actually, as you said, you can achieve an awful lot with very little, but mm-hmm. those are the things that, that I prioritize and certainly, um, Yeah just weight is no, no longer kind of a prime consideration for me. It's just, I want to be fit and I want to be strong and functional. Yeah. And I mean, look, you're a pretty lean guy. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when you're talking to someone who's carrying Mm. around a lot of extra weight, there's there's the, you know, there's the physical discomfort, there's the fatigue that comes with that. There's the inflammation that comes with it. So 
There's a big argument in that sense for a a person who's carrying around an uncomfortable amount of extra weight Mm -hmm. that that shedding some of that weight is going to benefit them both in how they feel, how they perform, and frankly, even in their their biometrics, right? Their inflammation is going to go down, all the things. I think one of the things you said earlier is, you know, was alluding to you can't exercise off a bad diet. Um, But I do think that interestingly enough with with this type of rehit workout, you might be able to offset some of the, some of the, some of the downsides of, of a crappy mm. diet. It's not going to do all the work for you. It's not going to offset a steady diet yeah. of French fries and deep fried burgers and cheeseburgers yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. But sure. I also think that when, and I've seen this in my own clients, when people start to see that they're winning, and and the cool thing about rehit is you can see those benefits and maybe mm. in a very short period of time, people can build success on top of success. And when oh, you absolutely. start to get that little yeah. toehold and you're like, oh my God, like I'm feeling better. I lost a little bit or my blood work's looking a bit better. It gives people, okay, I can do this. And they're ready to take the next step and the next yes. step. And it mm. becomes it becomes a, yeah. a momentum. Almost like an entry drug. So no, that's certainly something I, I hear from our users. And to an extent, that's also my personal story then because I, uh, so, so as a, you know, teenager or, or in my early twenties, I, I did sport for competitive reason and for fun. Yeah. To compete that, that was uh, what, what I was into. But then in my, in my thirties, to be honest, I couldn't have cared less. Um, <laughs> like there were so many, there, there were like, like my job, children and, and health hadn't become a concern yet. Yeah. You know? sure. um, and, and then inching towards 40, um, I started with rehit as an entry, entry drug, if you, if you will. And then um, added weightlifting and added some more running and added um, stretching and uh, all sorts of other silly things or, or good things. Yeah. Like cold showers and stuff like that. Yeah. Sauna, um, all the things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it certainly for me was an entry drug into, into this world of biohacking, self-optimization and just looking after myself in a, in a kind of pretty aware and self-conscious way and, yeah. and trying to, you know, be, be the best and most functional version of myself. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I think your, your story is very common. And I think that, you know, from, um, from a health and longevity perspective, and that's where if we're, you know, if we have these objectives, we want to look good, we want to feel good. We want to perform well. We want to move through our days with ease so that we feel comfortable. And then you've, you've hit the three pillars of fitness, right? You've the Mm -hmm. mobility, the cardio, the strength, you've kind of hit those marks, but to be able to do it with diminished risks of injury, diminished risks of, you know, too much cortisol, which, you know, is an issue. Like my husband does these crazy swim workouts with a master's club, a couple of three Mm -hmm. days three days a week, two nights. And the two nights he does those workouts, he basically doesn't sleep. He lies in bed and twitches all night oh. long because his cortisol has been jacked so yeah. high yeah. that his nervous system just can't shut down. So I would argue that, you know, I mean, I kind of pushed him back into the pool when he needed hip surgery, which is what helped him to yeah. stay fit yeah. until that happened. 
But I'd be now we're getting to a point where it's becoming an, yeah. a, a diminishing returns. The problem is he loves it and and it gives mm-hmm. him he gets something out mm-hmm. of it, right? But um, but but when we're talking about exercise as a tool for longevity and health span, I think that's where we have to start to get into this, this more technical area and and rethink our beliefs that we have to exercise long and hard mm. five days a week. You know, like I gave up on CrossFit as a longevity strategy a long time because I got tired yeah. of yeah. funding my chiropractor's kids' university education, for example, uh-huh. because yeah. I was yeah. constantly broken. And and you could say, oh, Nat, you probably were doing stuff wrong. But you know what? I think that even if you look at professional CrossFit athletes, one mm. of their main obsessions is how do I heal from injury fast enough to get to the next competition? So so when we're thinking about exercise as a tool, to your point, right, yeah. as a yeah. tool to meet our longer term objectives, it behooves us to start to rethink those that framework that we that those beliefs that we have around exercise and consider that maybe less is more and doing exactly better less right so Mm. that doesn't mean walking 10 minutes is going to be better but if you can find a way to trigger these chemical cascades in the body like the mk the pg1 Mm. alpha all of these things in in even a short period of time the the returns are astronomically higher than yeah. almost anything else you could do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they, like I, I would struggle to find anything that has quite the same level of return on the time you invest, on the effort, on the pain, um, than we hit. So it's it's uh, in terms of uh, return of investment, phenomenally rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, as we wrap up here, I think the accessibility of it is also really important, right? So I... I have a girlfriend who has the bike and in her family, there's a 21 year old who's obsessed with fitness, her husband, who's pushing 60 obsessed with cardiovascular, that kind of stuff. She herself had to have a stent put in because she had a cardiac blockage. So you, and hasn't worked out in, hadn't worked out in years, mm. right? She just didn't exercise. So you have three people across the spectrum, right? Yeah. You've got the young guy who's really fit, who does all kinds of workouts. You've got the dad who's a busy lawyer, who's, you know, but becoming obsessed with this whole longevity game. And then you have her who's been essentially sedentary, but has had a major wake up call. And all yeah. three of them use their bike. They use mm, them, com- awesome. they use it mm. completely differently, yeah. but they all use it. And I fi- I feel like there's not that many tools that we have where we can engage, you know, across generations yeah. and desires and goals. So and and that's right, and we've we've put a lot of effort into creating that um, versatility, and so um, maybe just to explain that briefly for your listeners, um, the the bike is totally optimized for rehit and for structured workout sprint interval training. So that is what we what we major on, and where we can do things that nobody else can do. Mm-hmm. On the other hand. Obviously, you can use it like a normal bike, but you can also use it with quite a range of um, third-party apps. So so if you wish, if you're so inclined to do, you can use it with Peloton Digital and do group classes. Or if you want, if you so there's there's a whole subculture um, of of um, you know people who have a road bike and their lycra suit and who want to um, then indoor cycle 
on apps like Swift or KinoMap or Ruby and so on. And we're fully compatible with those two. So while we're like an ultra specialized bike, um, we, we are also a very versatile bike. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason why we thought that's important is that most people don't have two bikes at home. Most people have just one bike in a household and it needs to cater for different people. And in certainly in my house, we have, um, so I've got two 14 year olds who, who use it. Um, they, they do the rehit workouts, but they also use it with Swift and um, cycle kind of do virtual races against their friends uh, who, who have similar equipment at home. And and my wife has been seen on it um, uh, with a Peloton digital workout <laughs> <laughs> to my to my uh, misgivings, but yeah, so so that happens as well. So it, it can do all that, yeah. And so mm-hmm. so it is a quite versatile thing. If you if you only want to do Peloton rides, yeah, but only you're better off buying a Peloton. And if you only want to do Swift, then you might also be better off to buy a, a Wahoo, whatever Wahoo kicker bike or so. There's yeah. there's plenty of choice. But um, if you if you want something that can give you the shortest, most effective workouts, and is versatile to do a bunch of other th- things as well, then I think we we're pretty unbeatable. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, we my husband used to put his road bike on a trainer in the winter, and he doesn't do that anymore. He just yeah hops awesome. on the barrel. So, and he does all the things. He does the rehit. He'll do the fat burner. I mean, he's a bit of a glutton for punishment, but he. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I think during the pandemic he may or may not have been spotted doing a couple peloton rides too. So that's all right. That's all right. We don't blame anyone. No, they do that. Look, it's they they offer a completely different thing. They they offer um, celebrity instructors, um, banging soundtracks, and and you can high five people. Yeah. on their their leaderboard in real time. That's that's great, and they I I wish them very well. They do their stuff very well. We do the shortest, most effective workouts. And yeah. we do that exceptionally well. Scientifically validated, science-based, shortest, most effective workouts. And we do we can do other things as well. And we're, we're versatile, but that's what, what people, why people get our product. Yeah. Well, and you're always adding to it, which is really interesting. Yeah. Too, right? yeah. You're always doing exactly. more research. So, okay. Well, I feel like we could keep talking for a while, but maybe this would be a good time to kind of wind it down and tell people how they, I mean, no, there's some great information on your website. All the mm-hmm. research is there. So maybe we could tell people where to find more information about the Carol bike. And I know that you've created a code for the audience. If, if they decide this is going to be their investment um, I know the code. I don't know if you do, but why don't you tell people where to find you? And then I can give them the code if you don't remember what it is. You've learned my pace very well there. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, so of course we um, have a special code for your audience. But um, so to to get our bike, it's uh, uh, carolbike.com uh, is our web store. Um, you can purchase the bike there. Um, I shall say you, you can find out. So we don't have showrooms. That's just not something we do. You you can find us in um, boutique fitness studios and some of the leading biohacking facilities. So all the upgrade labs have Carol bikes or and there's a number of other, you know, biohacking chains that, that have us. Um, but we, we don't do showrooms. Mm-hmm. But what we do offer, which is, uh, I think, industry leading and um, very helpful is a 100-day risk-free trial. So when you purchase the bike, you um, so you, you purchase the bike, and then you have 100 days to see 
whether it is for you. And that is enough time to A, see and feel the benefits and also see whether it's something you can stick to. Mm -hmm. And if it's for any reason not for you, we will not squibble. You get a full refund and we pick the bike up. That's incredible. And that's, yes, and we can do that because we don't have showrooms um, and because we're confident in our product um, that people love it. Um, so we have this risk-free trial. So if you want to try it, um, uh, probably the easiest way is just to get one and um, and try it for a few weeks yourself. If you don't like it, you can give it back. Most people keep it, so otherwise we wouldn't have a business. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Clearly you're doing something right, otherwise we wouldn't be talking. Exactly that. And and yes, so for, for your listeners, we have a special code that is? NAT. N-A-T. NAT. Oh, that's NAT. easy. Gives N-A-T. Them, gives, yeah, gives you $100 off and you still get 100 days to try it out, which is the exactly. which is more than three months, right? So yeah, you've got, exactly. you know, guys, like, I mean, especially for those of you who haven't been exercising that much, go get your labs done, get your blood work drawn, commit to three times a week for eight weeks, and then repeat your blood work, see what happens, like do your own right. N of one and see see what you can do with, with this bike. I think it's, I think it's pretty amazing, but you know, we, uh, we've drunk the Kool-Aid. <laughs> exactly that. Yes. Thank you so much. Even though we don't drink Kool-Aid because it's horrible for you. So thank you so much, Ulrich. This has been a fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And, um, it's always fun to bump into you and to have these chats. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The pleasure was entirely mine. Thank you so much. Before we wrap up today's episode, I'd love to invite you to join my biohacking superhuman performance community, aka the BSP community. This is a place where we dive deeper into longevity science, peptides, and bioregulators. If you're looking to get into the nitty gritty on these larger topics, this is the place for you. Plus, we hold weekly Q&A sessions, either with myself or with special guests for live interviews for you to join. And you can ask questions to the community for everyone to answer along with myself. It's an amazing community. If you want to join, head over to natnidham.com forward slash BSP dash community to join or find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for your continued support and for tuning into today's episode. I wish you all the best this week in your biohacking superhuman performance. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the biohacking superhuman performance podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.